Praise God. Well, we've been on a series called The Power of Words, and all those previous messages are on uh, various places, Facebook, website, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and maybe if this is in the future, whatever thing else we're on. Um, but but those are, are available. You can go back and listen to those. Uh, let's look at Proverbs 18, verse 21. We'll read a few verses that we've covered before, but just kind of um, using some of these as a springboard. It says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So it's a life and death matter, what we say. Matthew 12, verse 37 says, For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. This is Jesus speaking. He said, your words will justify you or they will condemn you. A lot of, a lot of application there, but words are powerful. James uh, 3, verse 1. Let's read this portion again. We've covered this before. We'll just read over. It says, my brethren, let not many of you become teachers because, or knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many things, If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, also able to bridle the whole body. So one measure of maturity is being able to control your mouth. Ultimate maturity is walking in love, walking. God is love. We have the the love of God uh, poured out in our uh, spirit, Uh, the word says. So if we're flowing with love, then that's the ultimate mark of maturity. Well, if you're walking in love, you're going to control your mouth. You're going to control what you say. You're going to say the right things. Uh, you're going to say things that are in line with God's word, that are speaking and declaring his truth into existence in our lives. Verse um, 3 says, Indeed, we put bits in, in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and uh, driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. So our mouth, our tongue, what we say, uh, determines where our lives go, just like a bit in a horse's mouth determines where the horse goes, and just like the rudder of a ship determines where the ship goes. That's the way our words are in our life. They're determining where we're going. They're determining what we have and what we don't have. Let's look at Mark 11, verse 22. Just flying over these, just, you know, uh, these scriptures we've gone, spent some more time on these, but we're just uh, touching on them on the way to where we're going this morning. Mark eleven twenty-two says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So he says, if you go back to the beginning of verse 23, whoever says to this mountain, or you could say says, to, to this situation, says to um, whatever challenges in your life, whatever we speak, this mountain be removed and be cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So if you speak believing in your heart, then you will have whatever you say. It will be done for us. 
In the NIV, it says, uh, verse 23 says, Truly I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. So faith needs to be in your heart, but then it needs to be in your mouth. We need to believe something with our heart, but then we need to speak it out with our mouth and declare it. And that's how it, it comes into existence. We're, we're giving access to God to do what He wants to do. But He gave us authority in our lives. And part of how we, act, we exercise that authority is with our words. Now let's look at Romans 4, verse 16. Touched on this at the end of the last message. But I really want to focus on some of these things today. It says, therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. So this is talking about Abraham believing God and seeing Isaac born, even though Abraham was past the age Sarah, his wife, was past age when they should have children. And Sarah never had children when she was in her prime. And yet God told them that they would have a child. And so uh, Abraham believed God. And because he believed God, he had what God had promised him. Now I want you to see something. We're going to come back to this. But can you skip down to Genesis Uh, 17, we'll do it that way, and then we'll come back up to Romans. Genesis 17, this is when, um, so God's talking to uh, Abraham, who was called Abram at this point. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, the, the Lord appeared to Abraham or Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Now, he had talked to him for many years before. This is when he's 99 then. He had already talked to him about this, but notice he's doing something here. I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, as, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make 
I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you. So this is the point. God has already talked to uh, Abram, but going to be called Abraham, but he's already talked to him many years before and he's talked to him about having a son. But here he's changing his name. And he says, you can see in, in verse 4, he says, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Abram means exalted father in Hebrew. But God is saying, I'm now calling you Abraham. And that means father of a multitude or father of many nations. And so God is telling him here, I'm changing your name. Verse 5, look, no longer shall your name be called Abraham, but your name shall be Abraham. Notice what God said. For I have made you a father of many nations. Now, I want you to notice the way God said that. Abram, now he's called him Abraham. He has zero children right now. Tell me how many children he has. Zero. What did God say to him? He said, I have made you a father of many nations. I'm going to say that again. How, look at how he said it. I'm going to read it. I have made you a father of many nations. Question again. How many children does Abraham have? Which would be... I don't know what the Hebrew is for father of zero. But it's not Abraham, which is father of a multitude or father of many nations. God didn't call him what he was at this point. God called him what he, God, had made him. But notice in the natural, Abram still has zero children. Question, is God lying? I believe there's more than one verse that talks about that it's impossible to God, that God should lie. God is not lying. God said, I have made you a father of many nations. But if anybody were to look at Abram, Abram, which he's changing his name to Abraham, we'll just call him Abram, Abraham. If anybody's going to look at Abraham right now, They don't see any children. And actually, every time they talk to Abraham, they are calling him a father of many nations. Hello, my name is Abraham. And that, literally, when he's telling somebody that speaks Hebrew, he's telling them, hello, I am father of many nations. Wow, how many children do you have? None, zero, I don't have any. But he, he's got to introduce himself like that. I have made you. What is God saying? I have made you a father of many nations. Now go back to Romans. Let's go to Romans 4. Let's go to verse 16. Go back up to verse 16 um, in the New King James. 
Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. What we just read in Genesis I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him, that's God, whom he believed, who Abraham believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Now this talking about an attribute of God. Go back. Let's read verse 17 again from the beginning. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Talking about this incident where God is calling Abraham, changing his name to Abraham and saying, I have made you a a father of many nations. And then it says, in the presence of him whom he believed, God, and it's talking about God now, an attribute of God, our God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So this is what God does. He calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Look at it in the CEB version. It says, as it is written, I have appointed you to be father of many nations. I've appointed you. That means in God's book, he's already made it. He's already said, this is, this is what's happening. I've, I've already made it happen, even though in the natural it hasn't happened. In God's book, it's done. I've appointed you to be father of many nations. So Abraham is our father in the eyes of God in whom we, we had, he had faith. The God who gives life to the dead and calls things that don't exist into existence. It's saying God calls things that don't exist into existence. With Abraham's case, is he a father of many nations when God calls him a father of many nations in the natural? No. You could say that doesn't exist. Are we reading the Bible? Are we reading scripture right now? Yes, that's an easy question, not trick question. This is the Bible. This is not somebody's philosophy. This is what God does. Does does it exist that Abraham has children in the natural at this point? It does not. It's not. You could say that's not true if you're talking naturally speaking. But it's true universally because God has decreed it. God sees throughout time. There is no time with him. The Bible says Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Before he ever actually walked on the earth, God had already ordained this. He called it done. And so here, this Abraham does not actually have any children when God is saying, I've made you a father of many nations. He's calling, God is calling what doesn't exist into existence. Look at the Amplified Version. Let's just read the end there if you can skip down. 
God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. God calls into being that which does not exist. This is what God does. He calls into being things that don't exist. Now, we already read several verses, and we're not going to go back and and read them, but we've read several things where what we say will happen. Right? Let's just go back to Mark 11, 23. Let's look at that. Let's just look at it in the New King James. You can skip back up. So Jesus answered and said, have, said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. He didn't say he already had it, so now he's saying it. He said he's, whatever he says, if he believes that what he says will be done, when he says it, then he will have it. Isn't that just like it doesn't exist, but God calls it as if it's done, and then it exists? Calls those things that don't exist into existence, believes that those things he says will be done and he will have whatever he says. Now notice here, go back to beginning of verse 23. For assuredly, this is Jesus, for assured, now go back to verse 22. For assuredly, okay, Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Have faith in God. So we're, we're talking about things that you're believing God. God has, he, he said something in his word or spoken something to your heart. So you're believing him. Okay, this is the foundation where any of this operates. Okay, it's not in isolation where you're just making something up and deciding you're going to call something into existence randomly. We're talking about God has spoken. Okay? Have faith in God. Okay? Now, it says, verse 23, For assuredly I say to you, whoever. Okay? Whoever is, what does that mean? Whoever. Anybody. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things, who? Whoever. This is not talking about God now. This is not talking about Jesus. Jesus is saying this, but he's saying whoever. Whoever what? Believes God, has faith in God, believes that what he says will happen. That's who he's talking about, but whoever does that. He's not putting any other qualifications on it. 
Verse 23, let's read it from the beginning. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. So you're believing something with your heart. And b- but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So whoever believes God and believes that what he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Which is acting like God who calls things that don't exist into existence. But he said, if you have faith, if you believe me, you'll do the same thing. You will believe me and you will say, you will believe in your heart and then you will say it with your mouth. And when you say it with your mouth, it will happen. See, what we do when we say it with our mouth, we give access to God to cause it to happen. Because we have authority in our lives and what we decree is what's going to happen. Just like God. We're not God. Okay, let's make that clear. You're not God, I'm not God, but God, in His authority, gave us authority. Let me say, well, who do you think? You are God? No. It'd be like you're in a company. Who do you think? You're the CEO? No. He gave me the authority to do this. So, I'm acting on His behalf. In fact, if we understand authority, it's just like the CEO's doing it. If he gave me authority or if he gave whoever's under him authority and they gave whoever's under them authority and they gave whoever's under them authority and that person is over me and they gave me authority, I am carrying out the CEO's orders. And it should be respected and it will be done just like the CEO himself is doing it. And that's what is going on here. God declares... And things happen. Let's look at uh, Genesis 1 verse 1. Let's just look at several examples of this. Just jump down to Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said. Then God what? Said. Said, Let there be light. And what? There was light. Was there light before God said? No. So you could say light didn't exist. But then God said, and then there was light. Is that like calling those things that don't exist into into existence? That's what God does. Jump down a few verses to verse, verse 6. 
Then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. So he said something and then it came into existence. Look at verse 9. Then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. Look at verse 11. Then God said, so if you can see it on my paper, it's just verses. Then God said, then God said, then God said. But, you know, we have to put them up one at a time here. Verse 11, then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the the herb that yields seed and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on, on the earth. And it was so. So God decreed something and then it was carried out. It happened. Genesis 1 verse 14, then God said, you get in the picture? God is saying, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. Let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. So when he started speaking, it wasn't so, but then he said it and then it came into existence. Genesis 1, verse 20. Then God said, Let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves, with, with which the waters abounded according to their kind, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God said, saw that it was good. Notice something. God said it. Something happened. God said it was created. But God said it, and then it started the process and, hap- and, and started something happening. Now, if you can go back, go to... I'm just going to have you skip to the beginning of each one of these. Go back up to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning... Oh, that one is not going to work. Verse 3. Then God said, let there be light. Now skip to verse 6. Then God said, let there be a firmament. Genesis 1.9. Then God said, verse 11... Then God said, verse 14, then God said, see, it's just God said this, it happened. God said this, it happened. God said this, it happened. But God, this is how he operates. But this is how he has ordained we operate, that we say what he said And then that gives God the ability to work in our lives to do the same thing that you're seeing being done here. Same process. So God has something and he's saying, but you say it. Now say, he he told Abraham, I'm renaming you. I've made you this. And and Abraham had to believe. He, He changed his name. He had to believe. And so he cooperated with God. He's saying to us, in His Word, any number of things. And He's saying, now you declare it in your life, 
and as it's you say it, that's what's going to happen. He delegated that authority to us so that we could speak like he speaks and see creative things coming into existence the way he does. It's his power. We're not saying you have power in and of yourself to make stuff. You have delegated authority which, ca- which causes power, God's power to operate, but he gave you the authority. Again, like we were talking about a CEO delegating authority down the chain and somebody giving the command, the resources that get that thing done would still be the company. It doesn't mean just because it gets delegated down to an individual that that individual now has to do it all in and of themselves. They do something on behalf of the organization and the organization's power and resources causes it to happen. Do you see that? Well, God delegated authority to us and so when we decree, His power causes it to happen. Our job is not to figure out how it's going to happen. Our job is not to figure out how we're going to do it in and of our own strength. Our job is to speak it and God makes it happen. See, sometimes we're trying to figure out, well, how? I'm not going to say it till I can figure it out. That's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to speak what God said because He already has it figured out and He already has the power and He has the resources, what He gave to us. And we said, why didn't He just do it? Why didn't He just do it then? Because He delegated the authority to make it happen to us. And what we can't put back on Him, what He delegated to us. Again, if, it, if the power authority to do something in a company gets delegated five levels down to an employee and the employee says, why don't the CEO just do it himself if he wants it done? Because he delegated it to you. You don't put it back up to him. That's not how it works. And people are saying, well, if God knows and he wants it, why doesn't he just do it? Because you can't delegate to him what he already gave to you. Well, God's all-powerful. He is all-powerful, and in His power, He delegated authority to you and me. And so then we have to cooperate in that. It's fruitless to go, well, I don't like it like that, or why don't He just do it? All the time, we're sitting there with the command that we can give or, or withhold. Look at Romans 5, verse 17. Get back up there. It says, "For now this is talking about how Adam sinned and he fell, and how by his sin all of humanity was sold out with him, but then Jesus purchased our redemption back. And what Adam did by messing up, Jesus came and undid for the one that will believe on him by his sacrifice. Verse 17, for if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, talking about Adam, much more those who receive abundance of grace 
and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. It says, if we receive the abundance of grace and gift of righteousness, we will reign in life through Jesus. In in Amplified Classic, it says this, For if because of of one man's trespass, lapse, or offense, death reigned through that one, much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace or unmerited favor and the gift of righteousness, putting them into right standing with themselves, reign as kings in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. You will reign as kings. Reign as kings in life through the one man, Jesus. Look at it in the CEV. Death and life, or death ruled like a king because Adam had sinned. But that cannot compare with that with what Jesus Christ has done. God has treated us with undeserved grace and He has accepted us because of Jesus. And so we will live and rule like kings. Now let me ask you a question. How does a king rule? Does he go around and do everything himself? Or does he give a command and it's carried out? He speaks, he decrees, and it's done. It's delegated authority. When he says it, he expects it to be done and carried out. It doesn't mean he's going around doing everything in the kingdom. You see in the Old, you read through the Old Testament, it'll say, and David, you know, did this. And Solomon built the Lord's house. He didn't do it himself. He caused it to happen because he decreed, you go get all these trees and you go get all this metal and you put all this stuff together and you build this and you ship this. And, but he's just sitting there, do this, do that, do this, do that. Is that not right? But his authority, his word, caused it to happen. And this is what God has given us through Jesus. He's given us authority to decree in our own life what is going to happen in our lives. Not in every. We talked about that last last week. Not everybody's lives. You have ultimate authority in your own life. And then limited authority going out from there. But in our life, what we say is going to go. Doesn't matter what anybody else says. Doesn't matter if God has spoken something to us by his word or his spirit. If we'll agree with him and decree and speak out what he said, then it gives him access to carry that out. We actually have the authority because God delegated it to us. God is not going to overrule the authority he delegated to us, even in our best interest. Because he gave it to us. So what do we do? We act like him. And we speak the things out that even though they look like they're not present in the natural realm, 
if the authority, highest authority in the universe, God Almighty, said it's so by His Word, by His Spirit, then what we do is agree with what He said, speak out with our authority what He has said, and then that causes it to happen. Now go back and look then at Romans 4.17. Let's look at it in light of everything we said. Go back and look at Romans 4.17. Put it up in the New King James, please. And then we'll just look at this. In light of these other things, verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of, of many nations, talking about Abraham. So I have made you. So here he's talking to Abraham when he was creating, when he was, was creating the world, creating everything in it. He spoke it out and said it and it caused it to happen here. He's saying to Abraham, Abram, but he's called, he called him Abraham. I have made you. So he's doing the same thing, and now Abraham has to believe him, and now he's got to walk in that. The reason we know about Abraham is because Abraham believed God. And he's called the father of faith. What's faith? Belief. If Abraham would not have believed God, you wouldn't know who Abraham was. Because God told Abraham, and, and Abraham... It says that Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. It was counted to him as right standing with God, because he believed what God said, and so he changed his name. You realize God could tell Abram, your name's Abraham, and Abraham said, and Abram said, I don't believe it. I'm not going to say it. He had a free will. See, everything, everybody that you read about, Throughout the Word of God, the Bible says the Old Covenant, or the, what, in the Old Testament, they were given to us for examples. When you read about people, they're, they're not robots that in their lives, it was predetermined that what was going to happen, it just was going to happen no matter what about their will or anything. No, each individual had to receive what God said and walk in faith and respond to God. Otherwise, you would not have heard of them. They're not the special ones. They believed God. They responded to God. And they cooperated with God. And that's where we are. In Abraham's case, God said, I have made you a father of many nations. Now, Abram had to agree with that and walk it out. So it says, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom, God, whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. And then we read in the CEB, calls those things that don't exist into existence. Calls those things that are not, or calls those things into being that don't exist. So we have the responsibility and the authority to take what God has ordained for us, 
for our lives, what He's bought and paid for through Jesus, what He's ordained for us as individuals to walk His plan out on the earth, we have the authority to take that and to declare it and to say what God says, even when we don't see it, even when it con- con- circumstances completely contradict it, when it looks like there is no way that is ever going to happen. Because let's look at it. Abraham, how can you get much more impossible than that? The, the dude is 99 He's never had children. His wife has never had children. They're way past when they should have children. And God said, I'm making you a father of multitude, many nations. If you want to say, look at your situation and go, well, it's just too impossible. Do you think Abraham's situation looked less impossible than your situation? Anybody want to stand up and say, no, mine is even more impossible. We'll, we'll hear you. And then we can judge whether... That's actually more impossible than these people that are way over the hill having children. No, because sometimes it feels impossible, right? You look and you look at what God has said and you say, there is, you want to say, there is no way. But what, but if we're going to, if we're acting like kings and if we say, no, it will never be built. No, there's no way. The whole kingdom just goes. Okay. Nothing's happening. King says, can't do it. King says, no way it's ever going to happen. All right. But God said it's possible. It, whatever God said in his word, it's true. And he knows how to get it done. And so it's up to us then to declare it. When we declare it, now God's resources and His plan, which is already determined. It may look completely impossible to our eyes because we don't see how it could happen, how things could change, how our lives could look like the picture we see in the Word. Well, it's too far gone. There's no way. We, what we have to determine is, is God right? And then what we have to do is declare what he said in the face of the impossible, in the face of what does not exist. And that can be difficult in and of itself, just a challenge, a push back on us. But it's not actually difficult to do. In other words, we're saying something. We could start declaring the right thing. But you can have pressure and pushback not to say, not to give the command, not to give the right command. Instead, just to talk about what is and how we had an opportunity, but it's gone, and how that'll never happen in our life, and oh, I see that in the Word, but I just don't see how, and say anything but what God has said, because it looks impossible, and in fact, does not exist. And so the challenge is just making our mouth do its duty, and start speaking in the face of what doesn't exist, what God said is to make it exist, 
to give God the right to buy our authority to give him access to do what he already determined is possible. Do you see that? The challenge is in putting down the thoughts. The challenge is in speaking things out when it looks like everything is going bad. When it looks like there is no way. And every one of us has been there. When it looks like you don't feel like you can do it. And you feel like you're lying to say you can do it. And you feel like you are lying to declare that your life could be any but, anything but a train wreck at this point. Or this project is anything but a train wreck. Or this relationship is anything but just a disaster. And in the face of that, which qualifies as it doesn't exist, the good thing does not exist. But in that point, to say what God said is exactly what God decrees and says we should do. If you already saw it, you wouldn't ha- it, it would exist. You wouldn't have to declare it. We, we so many times are waiting for something to, okay, now I can see how it happened. Now I'll start saying it. That's walking by sight. We're, then we're limited completely by our little brain and our understanding. I don't care how big your brain is natural. It's nothing compared to God Almighty. It's not denigrating us. It's just a reality check. Okay? Our, our tiny little understanding relative to the Almighty, if we have to wait to, to speak and to agree, uh, till the, uh, we have to wait until we understand everything, we are so limited. Because we don't, there's so many things we don't see and don't understand. But if we know God has said, He already understands, He's just waiting for the command. Say, command God, you're, you're commanding with the, the, the authority that God gave you to let him do what he wants to do. But he's going to, he's going to, he gave you the authority. And so he's waiting. He's going to just, just give it, just, just say the command and stuff will start happening. But if you don't, God himself has bound himself to your authority. But in the face of something that doesn't look Easy. It looks, in fact, there's no way if we will instead just start stepping out and saying anyway, then what God has declared and decreed, it starts coming into existence. At that point, our job, again, is not to figure out how it can happen. Our job is not to make it happen. Our job is to say what he said is possible and say what he decreed in his word and then do anything he tells us in line with that. He may give you instructions, but just to agree with him, speak it out, do what he tells us to do and let him work out the details. Like we said last week, just mentioned it last week. Somebody uh, said, this is, why am I saying something when I don't see it? Why am I calling it? It says, calling those things that be not as though they are. And we just mentioned, it's like if you had a dog and they were away. They were away from your house and you wanted, um, you wanted them to come to where you are. If you just stand there, at that point, your dog is not standing in front of you, not sitting in front of you. If you stay there and go, well, they're not here. They're not here. They're not here. They're not here. 
You are just calling what is as though it is. And it is. And it will stay. And that's what we challenge to do in our life. So many times, it's, it is this way. I, I mean, I'll start saying something else when it changes, but right now it is. That, that day be exactly like you sitting there with your dog is, you know, up the block. Like I said, we had a dog named Muffy when I was growing up, and, and she would run up the block, and, you know, you didn't know where she was because she's sniffing, you know, rabbits or something out. You don't know where she is. If I just said, well, Muffy's not here. Muffy's not here. Muffy's not, I don't know where Muffy is. Do you know where Muffy is? No, I haven't seen her. Where's Muffy? Well, she's not here. And that's so many times what we do in our life is that we don't, we don't see something the way God sees it. And so we, and we're like, well, but this is the way it is. This is where I've gotten to. This is, and we're just declaring what is. And as long as we declare what is, that's what we're going to have. But as soon as we, in the case of the dog, if you say, Muffy, come here. You're calling, you're calling, I said you're calling the dog that is not here. Does, you could say does, he exists, but he's not here. Well, the thing you need does exist in God's mind and plan. It's just not here. And we have to see that reality that what we see and feel is not the only reality. There is a spiritual reality. God has how many people and how many situations that he can cause to move that when you see how that fits together, you go, oh, it's obvious. Just like, oh, I can see how Muffy could end up from there to here. That's obvious. It is that easy and easier for God to get what he has ordained to you. You just can't see it. And so if we'll just speak... Muffy, come here. We're calling the thing that is not here as here. And we'd be like, Muffy, Muffy. And all of a sudden you'd hear, I mean, just real far away, you'd hear her going. And she's just tearing down the road and coming right down. And then she'd run across past us, you know, into the backyard and then play with us. If we will do the same thing and say, whatever God has said to us, body, you're well. Arm, you're healed. You work right. Finances come in. I have favor with all those that look upon me. I am surrounded with favor as with a shield. You know, I walk in love with my spouse. I have favor at school. I have the right things to say. If you need wisdom, you ask for wisdom, but you start declaring God is leading. I can't hear God. I can't hear God. No, don't say that. Say God is leading and guiding me. I hear the voice of the spirit of God on the inside. You, you, it feels like that's not anywhere near. No, I'm going to speak it and I'm going to say what God has said and I'm going to say what God has said. I'm going to declare over my life what God has said. We are exercising our authority, decreeing like a king what will happen and then it materializes, not out of thin air. God knows what needs to happen. Things move. And you think, how did that happen? Well, God knew all along. And as we agree with him, we are giving him access to cause, to come into existence, come into reality, come into uh, tangible results in our life, what he had for us all along.